Yo, 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 welcome back. I'm Shiko. I'm Yam. And I'm Gadoni. And this is OKKIAST. Whoa, wow, wow. <laughs> Last episode of season four. <laughs> So exciting, so exciting. How are you guys feeling? Kadani, how was your week? My week was good. Um, it was cool. Um, I had a fun time yesterday hanging out with my friends. We haven't seen each other in a long time. So I was really excited hanging out with them and their babies. Um, I feel like the older you get, the more you have to be like very, what's the word? With hanging out, like you have to be very, what's the word? What's the word? Social. No, intentional. Like, that's the word. Thank you. Oh, dictionary corner coming through. Um, intentional <laughs> <laughs> with hang out with friends because you know, like life happens and then it's just like whatever. Um, and then you realize you haven't hung out in like seventy five years. So um, it was really nice hanging out with them. Um, and just doing nothing. Today has also been a holiday. I've really enjoyed doing nothing. Let me tell you, that's my theme. Okay, my theme for life currently is doing nothing. I can't wait for the emails to start being let's circle back to next year. You know, I'm just like November is <laughs> over, December is here. Also, um, it's like a month to my birthday. Or to live in a society that shuts down in November for Christmas. It doesn't shut down well here. Nothing looks this nothing looks different. It's not going to shut down in November, it'll shut down in like December, second week-ish. But it's ah, but by the last week of November, people are not whatevering. You're right, but I have an event on the thirtieth of November, which is the last day. So for me, I'm gonna be working till the last second of November. After that, call offline. You know how when you are phone, if you're in a plane, airplane mode, that's the mode I'm going to be on. Okay, <laughs> don't call me no more and don't text me no more. I'm done, and it's a month to my thirty-sixth birthday. So uh, wow. Is that 40? Knocking, 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 knocking on my door. Same chick that you slept with. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So my week, I've really digressed. It was cool. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. And I'm excited about my event on the 30th because all the speakers I wrote to have all confirmed. I'm just like, ah! I'm going to end the year in a bang. Then I'm going on airplane mode. Yeah, but my week was good. Okay. That's cool. Shiko, how about you? Um I I'm doing really well actually. Um I launched my podcast this week. It is called Me Here. It is Sorry, Abuse again. I, I think I hyped we hyped in the midst of your of your name drop. Meet me here with Shiko Boccaccio. It is available on Spotify, Google CG, what? Meet me here. Wow. So good. Yeah. So that's been a passion project that I've wanted to launch for a really long time. And I felt like it's about done time. Anyway. In a minute. Yeah. So that's how, that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling on cloud eight. Um, not nine? Why not nine? I'm yet to get to nine. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no, not nine yet. Not nine yet. I feel she like said. eight because I've not completed my task. 
you know when you just feel like there's something you're supposed to do mm. that's kind of how it's feeling for me mm. like it's just it it feels so good it's i don't know i don't know i feel like it's blessed it is <laughs> you know oh. in jesus name it is yeah yeah, We're blessed so in this that's theory. if you guys want to listen, it's called Meet Me Here, available everywhere. We'll drop an ini on the on the Instagram. We will. Other than indeed. that, it's also available been, on YouTube. Um, Where? Weird. Can you give all the instructions? Oh yeah, I have a I have a YouTube channel too. Um, I think you can find it under How About Chico or Chico Boccaccio. Um, yeah. Go ahead and like, subscribe, comment, do all the things. Gang. And meet me here. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other than that, um, life has just been lifing. But I feel optimistic about next year. I've already put in my requests to be taken off the strongest soldier list. Amen. So your stories. God Amen. gets my request. Amen. And I am on the princess life soft life let's go that's the only life i want to live right now (laughs) i need a soft life i need a soft life yam how are you doing um i'm good and bad i feel like this week has been kind of a mixed bag um so really successful on the work front um but also a few disappointments uh, broken promises on the work front um it's been really good in terms of hanging out with my friends and celebrating life and it's also been really sad at the loss of life um both of our friends um from youth days and then also just like the world based on like how the world is the world is really god it's It's on fire overwhelming crash and burn you know i mean like seeing what's happening in Gaza, you know, I mean, even like DRC, the displacement there, you know, Sudan, I'm just like, oh my God, it's, it's so, so sorry. I, are you okay? I are you just okay? stabbed myself and I'm bleeding. What? Oh my God. With what? <laughs> I saw your this face and I, I was like, stop. yeah, I mean, sorry, uh, I, I, I was playing with a stapler. Ooh, <laughs> shame on you, but you deserve it. How, how can you play with a stapler? And yeah, I was thinking I was so sad about I was like, wow, she's so moved by the DRC people. <laughs> but, she said, let me add to the world burning herself. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> I'm anyway, so sorry. Yeah, sorry so, carry on, carry on. As I first yeah. aid. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's been up and down, so it's a mixed bag. But um, I'm I'm glad I'm I'm being joyful in the moments that joy come, um, and putting myself in a situation where I don't feel guilty about it, but also being conscious to be grateful despite it all. Yeah, so that's how I am, and it is therefore time to spin the wheel. Before we spin the wheel, it's that you talked about our friend that reminded me. It was trippy for me because he was my age. And I feel like a lot of times there are certain things that have happened. Like my friend lost her baby and I'm like, oh my God, we can bury babies. Um, Then we lost parents. It's just like, oh my God, we can bury parents. But now it's like us guys 
you genuinely life is so short and like tomorrow is really not promised and we really be moving around in the world as if like mm, I'll be here when I'm 55 or whatever and I think that's what gave more weight to the hangout with my friends yesterday it's just that thing of first of all it came up out of nowhere but it's if you can hang out with your friend today hang out with your friend today because your friend might not be there tomorrow you know um find things that give you joy like small things that give you joy because again if you're working a job and i get it you don't have choice most of the time working a job that you don't like but find something if work is miserable start painting or whatever your hobby is so that there's moments of joy even in the madness because for real guys life life is short man life is short short you know so fuck life is short anyway what do you think you need to be doing better of taking advantage of your time here i think taking time for myself i feel like i'm so busy that i get lost in the busy and i'm not taking in moments or creating moments for myself the other day we went for a walk with my friends in like a forest here in nairobi and it was just one of my friends came with his dog and it was like me my best friend and him and then oscar was there and it's just we didn't walk for long it was just like 5k after that we sat down for lunch it was a very chill non-dramatic day but it was just like she said we didn't walk for long and then said 5k in the same sentence Imagine. that's how you know your sister is not dramatic <laughs> she said it was a loose five kilometers nothing much <laughs> I feel like if you're walking in the forest, 5K doesn't feel dramatic. You know, I feel like if you're walking on the road, telling me to walk 5K, I'm like, you're telling me to walk to the supermarket? No. But in the forest, in the jungle, the Mari jungle, 5K is like one kilometer. Forest math, hiking math. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's finding things that give me joy. Going back to like photography or content creation for me you know those things give me joy it used to make me so happy to upload on youtube guys i haven't uploaded on youtube in probably like two years why i'm just like i have the time it's Mm. giving i think it's also convincing myself that i'm worth the things that i like you know so that's what i can do myself interesting great spinners For Are you ready for the spin? This the last season. spin of season four? Like a the record spin. The last spin of season four. The last spin, spin as we know spin it. Me, yeah. Spin, 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 me, yeah. Spin, 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 me, yeah, me, yeah, me, yeah, me, yeah, me, <laughs> on screenplay screenplay what we've been watching Jiku, what you've been watching wow you've been watching a housewife, housewife. or something yeah <laughs> standard, standard behavior i've been watching a housewives right now potomac is back um Married to Med is back. Married to Med is not a housewife, but it's a bravo. And it's I like Married to Med. Um, yeah. I don't know if you know who Portia is. She was on Atlanta. Not yeah. Portia. Um, Phaedra. Phaedra was on Atlanta Kitambo. But then she got fired by um, Andy. And then she got brought back. She's not on Atlanta anymore. But she's on Married to Med, which is cool. 
Um, I've been watching Real Housewives of Miami as well. They say she's dating a doctor, but I think they just needed like a character on the show. Mm, I see. Okay. And she moves around a lot. Wasn't she in Dubai? She was in Dubai, but she's apparently dating a Nigerian doctor. I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I feel like Andy is just trying to use her because she's. She's a character and she always brings it. I'm not even going to lie. She might not be my favorite housewife, but she always brings it and she's good for the franchise. Um, she's a messy person. Um, other than that, other than the housewives, I've been watching um, a lot of sports. The NBA this year is just pissing me off. I don't know what is going on. I don't know what happened to the refs this year. They're just giving me like high school ref vibes. Mm. Um, their calls have not been giving the NBA is doing this whole league where Sidri they are doing a tournament inside a tournament I don't know what's going on I don't know who's where in the in the league so it's it's a whole mess I'm sticking to football this year American football because at least I understand what's going on there so that yeah. makes one of us That's cool. have you been watching basketball I have not started watching the NBA season, but because I was watching the WNBA season, um, which, I mean, it's only, it's maybe like three weeks to a month that it ended with the Aces uh, defending their title. Um, Yeah, but I haven't, I haven't, I feel like nowadays, honestly, with the NBA, I'm joining at like playoffs. Also because their timings are so off for me i'm like i'm just not as committed to wake up for a regular schmegular oh, yeah. um game so at the playoffs is when i'm like okay now let me invest um yeah other than that it's just like highlights i'll watch highlights on youtube listen to like stevie nay or something mm. Interesting. what else are you watching um i am watching tiktok <laughs> And because of TikTok, actually, um, I saw um, there was a ruling. There was a <laughs> there was a ruling um, about a case against a hospital, and it was like a big payout, like two hundred and twenty million against um, Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital in in Florida, um, and it picked my interest. Just you know, like reading people's comments and being like they deserved more, and you know justice for Maya and so um, from the comments I saw that there's uh, it's actually based on I mean it's a real story but there's a documentary about it so I went to Netflix and I watched the ne- the documentary it's called Take Care of Maya it's a really sad story so I was um, in my feelings Keeping the about sad. it I can't even yeah but now yeah I was invested now based on the settlement so um, that's what I watched. And then the other thing I watched was my sister on YouTube. Uh, her first episode woo, woo, woo. of Meet Me Here. Woo, woo, woo. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been watching. Dadosh? Myself, in my status as an offline person, airplane mode, what I have been doing is re-watching old things because I don't have time to invest in a new storyline. So um, there's a thing I got that's like a Disney-type well, not Disney, what do you call it? Netflix, Hulu type thing that has everything. It's like one of those websites that we do not watch movies from, <laughs> but in an app. So you can basically find everything. And they have Disney. So I watched Moana. 
I watched Encanto again and didn't talk about Bruno. Um, then what I did is I entered the John Wick universe and I watched one to four because John Wick is bae. I mean, also, guys, there's a, there's a comedian who was talking about how the first time they watched John Wick 1, they were like, this is the dumbest storyline ever. Like that this guy would kill this many people over a dog. And then they were like, then I got a dog and I understood. And like, for real, even me, we'd have four movies if anyone did Imagine anything. I've never seen Encounter. But the Encounter. What's oh. it called? Encanto. I've never seen John Wick. I've never seen none of that. I don't even know who John You've Wick is. Like Moana. in the streets. Is he a guy? John Wick is a I've watched Moana that once. Keanu Reeves plays. So I'm just like on rewatch mode. I'm not... Never expected it. Oh, I also watched Matilda, the musical He's again. He's the one from Save the Bell. Girl, I don't know that she was in Save the Bell. Save the Bell? Like Saved by the Bell? The series? I don't know. Keanu, Keanu. You guys, please. I feel like... Don't... <laughs> Um, you are disappointing me greatly. Um, <laughs> it's your no, I'm, I'm just hey, trying to understand your sister. How she said saved saved the bell. I'm just like, what is that? <laughs> First, she let us save the out. bell. I don't know where you are. Uh, no, I think maybe Ken Reeves is known for speed. Um, say a movie she would know if it's. No? That's where he's known from, the Matrix. Yeah, I, it's unlikely you would know him, but it's that you said you would not know him in the streets. I said he's that's not his real name. Yeah, <laughs> she said I can who? pass John. John Wick in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said I will pass John in the streets. <laughs> I say hey, well. okay. <laughs> Yeah, John Wick is oh, not a real Okay, game. anyway, that was fun. I feel like I would kind of know who Keanu is, I think. Didn't he do Disney? Anyway. Sure. Wow. <laughs> he played he played Mickey Mouse. That's literally asking in Mickey if Mouse Tom Club. Cruise did Disney. Just so you know. No, but I feel like Keanu did Disney. I have to Google this. I'm like, what are you did Googling? He yeah. I yes, of course check. I am. Keanu. No girl. By the way, if you don't know him in the Matrix, there's nothing no. you will know here. You being the knowing you yeah, and how actually, you are. Okay. Anyway, I don't know who Keanu Reeves if is. You don't know the Matrix. There's no I don't know who John Wick is, and apparently Keanu and John are the same person. <laughs> Indeed, they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. In this episode, we're going into we're going to be talking about parental relationships, and um, some things might be triggering to you if you may struggling with a parental relationship so just a heads up while we go into it um we just always want to be sensitive and give you all a heads up on what to expect yeah yes hiya hope you enjoy it okay y'all welcome back to the podcast today we have a special guest our first oh no second guest of the season but one that is very close to our hearts. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to our stepfather, Mr. Seku Rubadiri. Fireworks, breaking glass. Thank you. Seku. Craziness galore. Yeah, I loved it. Craziness galore, which I expect. 
you should be used to it by now exactly oh yeah, oh, yeah. so when we were thinking about having an episode of, on forgiveness um your name came up because we just think that you have a very interesting story um specifically when it comes to your relationship with um your father and your approach to forgiveness as you've had to of course deal with it over and over and over in your life um as everyone does so uh-huh. i'd love to start off by learning a little bit more or introducing our audience to a little bit about how you grew up like what was your um experience with your father like did you grow up just the two of you in the house do you have siblings <laughs> are you a, what do they call it domestic family single parents <laughs> nuclear not domestic is a domestic family what a farm time we are on a farm domestic animals domestic are you family. old mcdonald um, yeah yeah yo. no i would uh i would i would venture to classify my upbringing as in an abnormally normal family. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, the reason I say that is one, we moved around a lot uh, in, my, in my youth. I was born in Malawi, but at a very tender age of three, moved to the UK. And then uh, two years later, moved back to Malawi. Six months into that, moved to the US was in the US for several years, moved from there to Uganda, then Kenya, back to the US, and now back to Kenya. So wow. moved around a lot. And, and so that- Yeah, that, Mr. Worldwide uh, for sure. Jet setter, go getter. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that I think set set most of the uh, the climate, the environment um, that I grew up in, set it up, and I guess being in that f- framework um, with dad doing what he did, uh, being a university professor, and then being an ambassador, and then being a professor again, and doing the education thing, and my mom being in education, um, a lot of in and out, a lot of people staying with us uh, at weird uh, times of the year, um, finding ourselves. I come from a family of um, total, it's uh, 10 kids and uh, it's, it's a blended family. And, uh, and so finding myself um, because of the movement, because of the uh, space or the end, occupations that my parents had a lot of people coming in and out of the house and so there were times when we would just on the spur of a moment here you know oh move into the next room go sleep in your you know share a bed with your brother because um, we have people staying over and um, sometimes it was for a night or two sometimes it ended up being weeks and occasionally months and and just finding yourself displaced um but yeah, as far as my relationship with my father, um, because of the blended family situation, uh, for me, it was a time of confusion. I think I was young, but uh, young enough and old enough in that space to, to know that, you know, there was something a little bit weird, if I can use that word. And, um, you know, just discovering that 
as a parent, he wasn't as accessible as um, I would have liked uh, being a boy, um, you know, and looking up to your father, looking for direction in growing into manhood. Um, there was that absence. And a lot of it I attributed, like I said, to his profession and just the having to be around the university, having to travel the world himself uh, in, in different capacities. Um, and then at the same time, discovering that um, part of that time was actually taken up with, uh, with my stepmother. And so until I got older um, and trying to figure out what was bothering me and what eventually started to anger me, um, to get me to the point where I needed to address things was, was very convoluted. And um, so that's why I refer to it as, as, as an abnormally normal upbringing. Wow. I think you've kind of mentioned some of the things that you remember being like significant in terms of your relationship with him but are there like specific memories even as you are growing up aside from him traveling a lot that you think um had an impact on you in that sense as you were growing up maybe it's like things he said to you about I don't know being a man or you know um are there specific things as you were growing up that you could like point to that had an impact in in your relationship? Oh yeah, um, I, I think and it's not unique to me. I know growing up I ran, have run into and I know I will continue to run into uh, men who have had issues with their fathers. Uh, initially in the space that I was, you know, thinking it was very unique. Um, it, was, it was painful. I remember uh, one particular instance that kind of drove me or started to drive the fire in me. Uh, I was uh, maybe one would consider a playful guy in school. Um, you know, academics was, was, was not at the top of the, the list. It was more around um, sports. I loved sports and I would pick up sports very quickly. I was very good at whatever I uh, attempted to do except for soccer. And that was only because I was small size wise. And so I used to get pushed around on the, on the, on the pitch. And um, so I opted for individual sports where I had control of my space, swimming, um, table tennis, and don't ever call it ping pong. That's an insult. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> academic side was, was, um, was lacking. It wasn't like I was bad, but I just didn't put a whole lot of effort into it. And then when I got to form four doing my O levels, I remember there was this big exam that we're supposed to be doing. And, um, you know, I figured I'll be ready for it. And there's always this mock uh, exam that they give you halfway through the year uh, to just kind of gauge where you are. And I remember out of and nine you never subjects. Know. You never know where you are. Let me just. Oh, absolutely. Honest. I feel like never <laughs> always feel mocks. It's mocks. the worst thing. In You're the like, world. wow, They're have I even been in this class? Where was I? The trick is in the name. It, it mocks. They're mocking you. It... <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Sorry, Sakura. No worries. So, uh, you know, out of nine subjects, I think I got seven Fs and, 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 and a B and a C. 
And uh, uh, the day that the results came in, I I was at a friend's place down the road um, playing, doing some sports. And I remember my older brother coming in and knocking on the door and saying, uh, you need to come home. Dad is looking for you. And so I went home and I'm thinking, what did I do? I mean, that bad that he would call me away from all of this. And when I walked in the house, he just shoved the piece of paper in my face and and then just looked at me and I'm looking at these things and I'm thinking, oh, wow, um, I guess F doesn't stand for fair, uh, you know, in, in most capacities. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he turned to my older brother and said, do something about this boy. Otherwise, we're going to have a failure on our hands. And mm. that never left me. I mean, even when I got older, um, I think I found myself trying to prove everything I was doing was trying to prove, you know, that um, uh, that I was not. And um, so that built into that whole process of what when it came to um, figuring out what I was dealing with versus what was being thrown at me and where forgiveness was needed. Um, things like that, you know, an instance like that would uh, would leave a mark, and um, in the one sense, you know, push push in certain areas that, especially, I think he didn't want me to go into or didn't care for, and so when I dabbled in the music space, I really committed myself to all of that because I knew that that was not something that he necessarily wanted me to go into long-term. Yes, there was the encouragement and you know, he, he, he played trumpet when he was in school. So he had a trumpet when I picked it up. Um, he was encouraging a little bit in that way. Um, he went to a business trip in Spain, came back with a Spanish guitar, which he never could play. But you know, I picked it up and started to get into that space. So there was a little bit of encouragement, but not too much. And so it was those areas where, you know, I felt he didn't want me to go into, that's where I'm going to push and show that I can do it. Yeah, there was just the push and pull, the, the, the regular son-father thing that you go through when you're growing up. Uh, as you get into the teen space, uh, you start trying to, you know, test the waters, see how far you can push them, and you want to show that you're a man, and um, and so... Uh, you 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 test him as well, and of course, he being the the uh, the the lion in the house is is not is not going to let you get too far. It's like uh, you know when you get to this point, I'll throw you out or uh, show you who you know who's boss kind of a thing. Um, but I think the relationship was it wasn't necessarily bad, but it was not smooth. Um, all my brothers, and I have um, four brothers, went to some kind of boarding school. And I was the only one who didn't because the boarding, the secondary school that I went to was five minutes away from our house. So it didn't make sense for me to necessarily be a boarder and, and, and pay that um, because it was on the university campus. And so, you know, I would wait until five minutes before the bell and then run to class just to get there on time. Um, Ninety percent of the time I got there on time. A couple of times I didn't. 
and uh, got sent to the principal's office to get my share of caning. Um, I, I, I wasn't a bad kid, but I, I think I found myself in the principal's office more often than was necessary. Mm. And that may have also yeah. been a factor that uh, although he was not necessarily the disciplinarian in the house, uh, my mother was more of the disciplinarian, uh, I think because she was around, but it was only when it came to really hard things that, uh, that he would even know or maybe even care. Mm. So yeah, a, you know, a bunch of things that um, I would venture to say contributed to the rocky road that we went through. Some of it is conventional, it's normal. Um, being a teenager, being the, a male teenager, and just being in that space and finding your way. Um, but like I said, some of the other factors that I mentioned earlier would definitely, I would definitely say played into the relationship. When did you realize, is there a moment that you felt like you needed to like forgive your father? Because I know he influenced a lot of what your behavior was, um, your mm -hmm. values and everything. But is there mm -hmm. a specific moment that you thought, oh, I feel like I need to forgive him? And what is it that prompted that realization? Yeah, I think I can nail down a specific situation. Let me just throw in a disclaimer there or a preamble. One of the things that I struggled with, and it was with both parents, I think, was the fact that I, I have an older brother and he is almost a year and a half older than me. And then the brother who comes after me is almost three years younger than me. And so growing up, I was in this limbo space because, um, you know, being a firstborn male and especially in an African setting, you know, there's the pride that comes with that. And so there's the attention that he gets and, um, you know, pushing and, and driving and, and guiding and all of those things. And he went to the best secondary school there was and, and all mm -hmm. this. And, um, so I'm trying to tag along there. And um, at some point, I remember being told, leave your older brother alone. You know, he's finding his way. He's got his own friends. You're too young to be hanging around with him. So just give him his space. So mm -hmm. I turn to connect with my younger brothers and them being, you know, three and four years younger than me. I'm told you're too old to be hanging around with your younger brothers so you know leave them alone and I'm thinking wow. well where where do I where do I stand in all of this mm -hmm. and kind of finding myself in that like I said that limbo space and so that got me thinking a lot it got me reflecting a lot um I I didn't mention that uh, my parents were both um, freedom fighters in the quest for independence from Malawi um, way, way back, the Brits ran the place for the longest time. Um, and when uh, this was the year, early 1959, my parents were arrested by the Brits and jailed. My dad was in a prison in Malawi. My mother was sent to a prison in Zambia. And while she was there, uh, after they, she had been picked up, she discovered she was pregnant with me. So I spent the first wow. several months of gestation um, in this prison, prison space. Uh, and, this explains you know, I, so much. 
Sorry. You've been to jail. It said this explains so much. I'm locked up. Won't let me out. So, so when she was about, I think, seven months pregnant, she was actually trying to keep the pregnancy away from the authorities. And this I found out just the other day, you know, in my in my late 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. And her friends were saying, no, 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 you need to let them know so that they can, you know, make some changes here and there. But she was this feisty woman who wanted to hang with the other ladies and be in, you know, camaraderie with the other ladies. And so she was eating what they were eating. She was going through what they were going through. And, um, and then eventually they discovered she was pregnant and they were like, no, goodness gracious me, what are we going to do? So they released her and put her under house arrest back in Malawi. And so I was born at home. Um, but I think back and, you know, I'm a very poor eater and I've always been most of my life. And I think back to what I went through and what I was eating as, 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 as a fetus, you know, and um, just that whole experience. Um, and so there's that reflection on that where from my parents' standpoint, I I felt a little bit of a disconnect with dad right from the beginning because when I was born, he wasn't there. He didn't see me until several Mm. months, 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 much later. And I remember one of my aunties or somebody close to the family saying, and this was when I was probably eight or nine years old, Uh, They came by the house and uh, meeting us after many years of not seeing us, she she said to my mother, oh, my goodness, is this Seku? And my mom says, yeah, you know, you remember he was he was born, you know, after I was released from things. She says, yes, I remember I was there at the time. And she says, this is the same young man. And um, my mom said, yeah. And she goes, why are you so surprised? And she says, "Um, I'm just I'm marveling at, at, at how good he looks. She thought I was a, a, a decent or good looking young man at that point. And she says, when, remember when he was born, I came in and you were telling me that you have this new son. And I looked in the bassinet and, and my first question to you was, where did you get that? And I'm sitting here listening. <laughs> Not that. Aunties. Not an ugly baby. <laughs> And I'm listening, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, she said, what? And um, apparently when my dad came home, he had the same reaction. It was like, oh my goodness, where did you get that? So, you know, dealing with that as you grow up and just thinking, um, uh, okay, so uh, I wasn't responsible for any of that. I didn't have any control over that. But yet yeah. it's being fed into you from mm. some, some of it from a little insensitivity, some from just ignorance. Um, mm. But that, 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 that feeds into your psyche. It feeds into yeah. uh, your space. And so growing up, you're, you're hearing these things and you're wondering about yourself. And so there's that element to try and prove yourself. So going back to uh, what you were saying, Gadoni, I think the moment that um, that came was the fact that because of the blended family and how 
dad spent a lot of time with my stepmother and, and the other side of the family. We, we as kids were close. We were really close knit. Um, but I think I was old enough to understand that there was somebody else in the picture. And um, uh, there was this, there was a divide, there was a gap. And I, I saw what it was doing to my mother. I saw how she was treated from time to time. And it just built this um, animosity, this anger this resentment. And so when I left to go back to the States, um, um, I was on my own. I went to do my, my college and um, leaving behind this space that uh, one, I was almost happy to get away from, but at the same time, knowing that I was going to be disconnected from my immediate siblings as, as much as my half siblings. And even though we never thought of each other as such, we were just brothers and sisters. Um, I was leaving my mom and, um, you know, finding my way. And then as I found my way uh, on my own, um, started to look back and go, I need to do something. I need to protect my mom. Um, and so, realizing that this resentment, this anger was in me and as an introvert, um, not being able to or not being encouraged to speak out and share, part of that was cultural, but at the same time, it was also uh, based on personality and not wanting to present yourself as a problem um, right from the beginning, when you're trying to start a life in a totally new country, um, a totally new space, um, I realized that I needed to look in the mirror and start dealing with me. And so for the first time, I thought, I'm, I'm carrying this, and it's a burden within me. I need to release it. Um, and so I was away from home for 10 years before I went back the first time. So I didn't see any of my family members for 10 years. And you have to remember back in the day, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have all the technology. So it was snail mail. You're waiting for a letter. You write a letter. It takes two or three weeks to get home. And then you're waiting another two, three weeks to get a response. Mm -hmm. And so it was 10 years before I really had a connection um, with with my folks. There were a couple of phone calls in between that I was able to make, um, but they were very expensive. So, you know, they didn't come easy. So when I came back after 10 years, my parents had moved from Nairobi to Habaroni, Botswana. So I came to Nairobi first because this was basically home for me, but I came here and then I spent two weeks reconnecting with friends and family. And then I went down to Botswana to reconnect with my, 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 my parents down there. So I go to Botswana and we're able to spend a little more time together and try to connect. And he took me out to have a drink, have the guys sit down and, and, and connect and bond. And I remember going into this bar with him. Um, before I left, I hadn't been a drinker, but coming back, I had started to drink at least a little bit, you know, the wine thing and so forth. So he, uh, America ruined you. <laughs> <laughs> he orders a beer, 
you know, he asks me what I want and I, 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 I got a glass of wine. And so I'm thinking this is our moment to kind of reconnect, to bond. And we, we just sit there and look at each other for, you know, a good 45 minutes. I think the only thing that was said was, so how are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm doing well. You got yourself settled in the U.S.? And I'm like, mm-hmm. And um, he's like, so what are you doing at this point? And at that point, I had started working. So I was managing some um, car rental locations. I was a district manager for budget. And I said, no, I'm working as a, as a, as a manager you know, for a car rental place. He goes, you're a manager in the U.S.? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you must be making more money than I am. And that was the extent of the conversation that we 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 had. So wow. I then you know spent a little more time connecting with my mom. My mom was um, uh, just the sweetest woman. Uh, and um, during my time of bonding with her, I discovered that you know the same pattern that I had left in Kenya was seemingly still happening and there was a disconnect. And so that started to rile up the emotion in me again. And then um, I left, but before I left, I, I said to mom, I think you need to just get away for a little bit. And I invited her to come to, uh, to LA. I said, I'll pay for you to come out and just spend some time to just breathe, just to get away and, and breathe. And she, um, she said she'd love to do that. So I arranged that. My sister, her only daughter, said um, she wanted to come along as well. So I arranged for them to come and they came out and we had a, a really good time in LA and just that whole, um, again, reconnecting and bonding and talking about some of the hard things that we were dealing with. And I remember in one conversation I said, to my mother at that point, I'm really going to confront my father about this whole thing. And my mother said, no, I don't want you to talk to him. I don't want you to confront him. And my sister immediately said, no, if Seka wants to do it, let him. Let him deal with what he needs to get it out because some of us have been dealing with the same thing and we're all afraid or fearful to address it. So if he has found that strength or that space, let him do it. And I said, mom, why wouldn't you want me to do it? And she said, because you live here and I'm going back there and I'm the one who's going to have to deal with the repercussions. Mm. And I, I thought about that for a moment and I thought, okay, I understand what she's saying, what she's feeling. So how do I, how do I deal with what I need to deal with and getting it off my chest? And at the same time, accommodating her, which I think at that point I deemed more important was just not leaving her open as it were. So after thinking about it for a long time, I decided to write a letter and just be open and honest. And in that letter, I wrote and explained exactly where my anger was coming from, situations that, and very specifically, um, situations around the lack of his attention and bonding with us as we were growing up, my stepmother, and um, and I said, I'm telling you all of this because I need to get it out of my system. It's killing me. It's causing me to shut down. 
And I need to get beyond that. And the only way that I know to do that is to tell you exactly how I'm feeling. But even as I do, and letting you know how angry I am, I am going to ask for your forgiveness because I have also had behavior. And even if it hasn't been overt within me, I have carried a hatred that toward you that I need to ask forgiveness for. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask for your forgiveness, um, even as I explain what I'm going through and wanting you to address that. At that point, I, I, I didn't know if um, I would get a response and, and, and whether he would ask for my forgiveness and the whole thing, but it was more about the fact that in that moment, I realized I'm responsible for me. I'm not responsible for him. And so I'm gonna do my part and I'm also going to release the specifics and where my anger was channeled, knowing that within me, I hadn't been um, honest. I hadn't been uh, truthful about my feelings and that hatred toward, you know, the man who gave me life along with the, the woman who uh, bore me and, and, and birthed me, um, the only way that I would get that connection would be to start by looking inside me. And so I sent the letter off and um, I got no response. And uh, later on in just kind of feeling through this thing, um, I had a chance to talk to either my sister or my mother who said, you know, he received that letter and apparently read it, took some time to reflect on it and then exploded and said, you know, who the hell is he to ask, you know, to tell me all these things and, and, and um, uh, you, know, you know, put me in this space uh, um, seeking me to ask for forgiveness, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, and I was like, oh, so that was the reaction. And they said, yeah, that was the reaction. I was like, okay, great. Well, at least I'm healing. I'm letting, I've let things go. It's definitely a journey. But part of the real opening came when, um, as you know, I was married before. Um, you have a, a sister uh, who is, uh, in this case, your stepsister. And hey girl, um, has hey been audience of... knows. <laughs> they know. Hey girl. Has, has, How you doing? Has, has been in this space with you, and, and, and I love all four of you to death. Um, but when I was getting married to her mother, um, we had a reception in LA. And funnily enough, as we were going through this reception, my, my parents had come for that um, occasion doing our thing and my, my dad had given his speech earlier. And as I was walking past at one point, he grabbed me by the arm and he goes, come with me, just sit with me for a moment. And I was like, okay. Um, I went and sat with him and I was like, what's going on? You know, there was a bit of that tension and that, that space thing. Uh, and I'm thinking, dude, I'm married now. And 
you know, I'm a man, so don't don't try to pick a fight with me. I'm 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 I'm, 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 I'm this, grown. I'm, this, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a grown man, okay. Hey. <laughs> and he sits he sits me down and he says, out of the blue, he just says, "Thank you for forgiving me." And I'm like, "What?" He says, "Thank you for forgiving me. You sent me a letter, and you said you forgive me for whatever. Thank you for forgiving me." I was so blown away, I was speechless. I didn't know how, how to respond years? to it. This was two years later uh, that I'm hearing this and I was just speechless. And I said, well, great. I'm, 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 I'm glad you feel that way. And that was about all I could say. And that was the end of the, the story there. But it's been a journey that whole time, getting to the space that I realized I needed to start by looking inward. And then feeling at the same time that I'm going to forgive him regardless of what his reaction may be or how he'll take it. But I'm also going to ask for forgiveness for what was my part in perpetuating um, some of the interaction and some of the, um, the environment that um, we went through. Um, and as much as I was the child and he's the adult, um, there was just that space of realizing that if I'm going to get through this, I need to take ownership and in, a, in, in some sense control of my space. And regardless of what he does, I'm going to move forward. So when, when I think of forgiveness, I think of a journey and I think of how people approach it a lot of the time and it is a journey because even after that there were moments where things would be triggered and they would come back and I would feel the anger I would feel the the particular space and the emotion that I was the emotion that I was in and um have to think back and go okay it's okay Remember what you did and remember the steps that you took. Remember the commitment that you made to yourself and the commitment that you made to um, your father, the commitment that you made to the process. Funnily enough, in the journey, I also discovered that I was angry with my mother. And I was angry at her and I was trying to figure out why was I angry? I mean, this was a woman who had gone through so much a woman that I was very close to and tight with, why am I angry with her? And I'm feeling this, uh, these emotions. And I realized I was angry with her for not standing up for herself mm -hmm. and for not, you know, being this shield for us as well. It's almost like if, if I had seen you standing up for yourself, I probably would have done more in the moment. Um, mm -hmm. I was too young to... To, to necessarily be that way, but you know, I, and, and I suddenly realized, oh my goodness, I, I need to forgive her too. Cause as I've started to hear her story more and understand mm -hmm. why she did what she did, which was mostly for us, that it wasn't that she was scared or was not a strong enough woman to stand up for herself. She had all these other factors she was thinking of how would it would affect her children, how it would affect 
relationships that you know had been built there and so forth so she was carrying so much mm. and in dealing with all of that it it wasn't until late in life when they retired and my dad started to get dementia that I realized that she carried a lot of love for this man, but she was also carrying a lot of hurt, which she was holding in, protecting others from. Mm. And it wasn't until after he passed away that she started to unload and just kind of exhale. Mm. And I had a conversation with her and, and I even mentioned it to her. I said, mom, you know, there was a point where I was so ticked off at you. I was pissed off with you for not, I see you standing up. You, you were the firebrand head of this women's thing when independence was happening. When we were out of the country as refugees, you were the one that you know, held us up. You, 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 you provided when you know, um, um, things were not working as well for dad kind a of a thing. Over. She wasn't a pushover, no. Yeah. And and yet I didn't I see me. you standing up for us. I didn't see that. Mm. It was more of an internal thing and she expressed it in other ways which I didn't see. Mm. But I caught myself thinking, why the hell didn't you just stand up? Mm. And then understanding why she didn't, I realized I needed to forgive her and release the anger that I had built up. This was many years later. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grown man with a family, having gone through a divorce myself. Um, and at this point, realizing that there was still things that I needed to deal with within myself. Do you think, how did, how did that improve your relationship with your parents in their later years like that realization like was it just like a continual like after the letter and the forgiveness and like everything your mom told you what do you feel like there was like a release or was it a continual like still processing still figuring <clears throat> sorry my throat is whatever still figuring out our way or like how do you think that forgiveness or release affected your relationship with your parents in their later years there was that's a great question there there, there was definitely the immediate release and 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 the exhaling and at least realizing okay where do we go from here and then understanding that that is just a moment and the, the next steps are going to be a journey um, reinforced by the fact that those triggers would happen along the way and you're reminded that this is a journey. What happened back then and that moment was that moment, but the journey continues. And, um, you know, in, in many instances, um, I had to remind myself and remember that uh, these guys are human. And especially looking at my dad, I had to remember, you know what? He's human. We all make mistakes. I made some you know, mistakes in my life. I mean, a lot of them. Knowing in secondary school how many times I got caned uh, should have been an indication of 
of, of mistakes that I, I've made. But even in, you know, later in life, as you grow <laughs> Later in life, uh, realizing, you know, we all make mistakes and some of them um, are inadvertent. Others are very uh, intentional and uh, we pay the consequences for those. And so as I grew older and, and started looking at my dad, I'm like, okay, he, he's not that superhuman that I thought he was. You know how you think your, your dad is being Superman and uh, mom is superwoman and they put them on a pedestal and realize that even on that pedestal as much as you give them a lot of respect and a lot of love you realize that they are human and they they do make mistakes so in terms of the relationship unfortunately when it got to the space that so after the 10 years I've come back uh, to the states and we go through the two year point where he says, thank you for forgiving me. Then I'm gone a, away again from the continent here for another 10 years before I come back again. So there's a disconnect. And around that time, as things start to unravel, um, my dad had been reappointed to the ambassadorship for Malawi to the, the UN. So they came to New York during that time and I was able to visit a couple of times, but those were just, you know, spot visits and so forth. There was really no time to, to, to reconnect. And then after the, the five-year term that he had, they moved back to the continent. And I didn't um, come back here until 2002. So you have that whole space. Now he's gone back and they're working at the University of Malawi doing their thing. So a couple of spot visits and then they retire. And just before he started to get into that retirement space, the dementia started hitting and creeping in. So he was slowly going into this abyss. And by the time I came and moved back to Kenya, which was 2007, late 2007, um, and then started to do more regular visits down to Malawi, I couldn't connect with him because he was not all there. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about most of my life, it was, you know, it was rocky and then it was gone. There was this space mm -hmm. and then there's the person in front of you, but they're not all there. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. with my mom, it had always been, you know, pretty tight, pretty smooth, but it was also, there were also disconnects here and there when technology kicked in, you know, she was never, she was never a WhatsApp kind of person unless there was a young person around there that could help her navigate mm -hmm. that. But we were always in touch one way or another. She was very consistent in calling all of us regularly. With her, it was, it was a more fluid, a more continuous relationship um, but like I said, with dad, it got to that point where dementia really kicked in and um, there was no connection. I'm curious about something um, because you're talking about one, the child-parent relationship, but also I think we talked about languages of apology and all of that before, but it's like, how do I forgive when you haven't 
asked for it, you know, where it's just like, mm. in as much as I understand what you're saying, and I hear it logically, do you ever have like with the triggers and everything, is there a time where it's just like, you never said you're sorry, because like, he got the letter and he's like, who do you think you are? And then you mm. come and tell me, thank you. And it's just like, but I know this wasn't the thing, you know, do you ever have a moment where you're just like, ah, and how do you deal with those moments? And a very interesting question. I hear it. And um, I'm going to use one of my father's famous lines. Uh, allow me to bring you a little closer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you got red. Right, so I'm just like, what, how, are you, how are you bringing me to my question? I don't want <laughs> I, I know, I love to use that line. No, your question was very crystal clear. Um, he just happened to use that when he was being interviewed by some uh, newspaper reporter who was asking a question and it, it took him three minutes to ask the question. And my father finally said to him, just, just allow me to bring you a little closer to your question. <laughs> yes, there are moments, there had been, there have been moments definitely, you know, being human where, um, I, I, it wasn't like a blow up, but it would be a reflection and go, you know, what, uh, what was that about? And what do I do with that? But having been raised in the church, um, I look at it this way. When you think about the story of forgiveness in, in the Bible, and whether you believe it or not, just follow the context. God sent his son and his son was the sacrifice so that there would be reconciliation between God and man. And God was the one who reached out first, using his son to do that. And so my reflection on that has been for reconciliation to happen, and it doesn't always happen the way that you think it should, there is some relativity uh, in that space. It's incumbent on me to step into that space of giving the forgiveness um, first, even if it is not asked for, to release me. And hopefully it will release the other person. And maybe they will come back and say, thank you for forgiving me. I should have asked for forgiveness. You know, if they felt that they were in the wrong, maybe they don't. And that's where the relativity comes. Because for them, they may be in that space where they're like, no, I didn't think that I needed forgiveness. I didn't think that I need, I did anything wrong. So I, I look at it like in the journey that we're going through, Forgiveness is about reconciliation. Me reconciling with the individual. But that's only if the individual wants to be reconciled with. They may not. And the instance that or the situation that brought that about may be such that I don't get reconciliation. And people are just going to move on. But in the space that I am, I'm going to release myself in as much as I am releasing the individual to move on and not stay captive to what they did, which gives them power, even if they sit in the space of, I didn't do anything wrong. By allowing them to sit in that place on that seat of power, um, I'm held captive. So I look at it like, I, I'm not gonna take responsibility for what you, do or how you react whether you feel you need the forgiveness or not 
whether you feel you've done something wrong or not, that's up to you. Ultimately, I'm going to share with you what I feel and what I've gone through and how I feel you may have been wrong. And in some cases, you were absolutely wrong. Whether you see it that way or not will then eventually be up to you. But I am going to step out of this and I'm going to start living. I'm going to start breathing and exhaling in my life without mm. the cloud, without the power held over me so that when those triggers come, I can handle them a lot better, a lot quicker, because for lack of a better expression, I'm in control. I haven't given my pen away to somebody else to write the story in that moment. How much do you think culture plays a part in all of this? I feel like culturally, there's never, there's very few families, I feel like in African cultures that have that really close bond that I've seen, like parent-child relationship. I mean, right now mm -hmm. you're seeing it way more and more, thankfully, mm -hmm. but like, how do you think culturally that plays a role? You make a good point in that more recently, there has been a lot more openness. Culture yeah. definitely plays definitely plays a whole lot into that because my his reaction to my letter was both personal and cultural. It's like, how the heck does this child of mine write me a letter like this? And how the heck does he write this letter knowing that I am the elder, I'm the adult, uh, I'm the parent. And from a very cultural standpoint, I think it was driven by a lot of that. that. And me having lived a good portion of my life, you know, more than half of my life, close to maybe three quarters of my life in, in you know, away and in the West, definitely played a lot into how more open I became and how more um, free I was to address many of those things. Um, the first couple of times I came home, I found myself dealing with situations the way I would in the U.S., where if somebody is out of line, I would point it out right then and there to their face mm -hmm. and deal with it. And the reaction would be one of shock. Um, yeah, because in Africa, we have to beat around the bush like for three months first. Yeah. If even you and, and that bush. would. That would naturally be part of my personality. Being the introvert, I, I tend to try to soften the blow when, when I'm confronting, um, give the person a bit of their dignity, even when I shouldn't, quote unquote. Um, but, you know, culturally, I think uh, that would play a lot into it. I still run into people who say to me, you know, how, how do you talk to people like that? you know, here. And I'm like, what do you mean? I just said something. I just expressed myself. I was not rude. Um, I just was firm or assertive about what I was addressing. And mm. culturally, a lot of people cannot handle that or they think it might be inappropriate. Um, but I think more and more as the world has become a smaller village, people have been exposed more there is a lot more of that coming into the culture here and and people um are learning to 
express themselves. People are, are learning to receive the assertiveness, um, not so much as rudeness, but just as somebody standing up for themselves. Yeah. So I, I guess knowing what you know now, um, after living this whole life, the whole journey, you know, like talking about how, you know, you've lived through the triggers, you've lived through the different experiences. Do you think that there would be a difference in how you approached your forgiveness um, and even the relationship with your dad? I mean, in looking back in hindsight, is there anything you'd have done differently? Uh, in hindsight, if I had known, I think I might have approached it sooner. I do miss, uh, miss might not be the word because when you miss something, it means that you've had it before, technically. Um, there's that space where I look back and think I lost out because I didn't have some of those father-son moments, you know, where you navigate life in terms of uh, being a man and wanting someone as close as your father to to kind of help you navigate in terms of having the conversations, talking through things, even if he's not telling you what to do. Um, I, I never had that. And even in uh, my adolescence and my early 20s and so forth, being out there on my own, my, my connection with other men was, was never tight. You know, I didn't hang out with the boys. Um, um, I, I, I forged my own way and a lot of it was on my own. Um, a lot of it was also isolated. So um, that, that sense of looking back and saying, I, I would have loved to, you know, go through that moment of, you know, having that first drink with, with dad, you know, back then. Um, even though most first drinks you were having with your buddies and, and so forth, but there comes a time when that that connection happens. Having those um, down to earth conversations um, about life, about what you want to do, about women, about how to navigate the world of femininity, um, how to um, navigate the world of children. You know, being able to ask him about. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how he handled being a parent, being a father and, and getting some insights, you know, in that, in, in that respect. Uh, later in life, especially after he passed and there were very many tributes, very many memorials for him because of who he was um, all over the place in Malawi, in, 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 in Kenya, in Uganda, um, um, we heard of, you know, a few others in, 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 in places that we didn't even know just because of his accomplishments and hearing people talk about how the many times they sat down with him, it was just an amazing eye-opening, you know, experience, um, life-changing and they would never, you know, forget. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking, where was that moment for me? Um, and hearing, you know, all these things happening, you're like, uh, was I the son or were you the son, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And these are people yeah. who, you know, you, you don't even know. 
Um, and I know most of my siblings kind of went through the same experience or a little bit of that experience to, to a degree. And, uh, and, and thinking to myself, I, I don't want my kids to get to the space where they feel like, you know, where were those moments for me? Where were those moments for me? And so you guys came in to my life at a much later stage. I mean, I think Shiko was maybe 11 at the time. Um, Sounds about right, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. But so, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yes, so I was 21, I, I know. I deliberately, with Rachel, I deliberately made the choice, very intentional choice from the early age to ensure that I was having those conversations in as much as she was understanding what she could at the time, you know, looking at me like, dude, what are you talking about? Um, but having those connections, uh, even after her mother and I divorced and we were living in separate houses, I was constantly and very intentionally reaching out to ensure that I think what I didn't have, I would give. Mm. And, um, you know, hopefully that happened. You know, in my space, um, I, 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 I made that attempt. And even with, uh, with Chico, we had our conversations every once in a while and, and I would deliberately, you know, reach out. Um, you know, as a teenager, there was that teenage space that she was in. And of course, there are those moments where I'm like, okay, she's not getting it. But it's okay, because I was thinking again, it's me who is the adult. I need to make the effort. And regardless of how it is received, that's my responsibility. I need to be the one mm -hmm. to make that effort. And, um, and then as, as I got to know you guys, uh, Kadoni and, and, and Yam, um, hopefully you've experienced a little bit of that. Um, you were, um, you know, adults, as it were, when, when, when we connected. And so there's that also that space of understanding that um, you're at a point where you make your choices. And um, if you choose to reach out to me and, and ask for advice or uh, whatever, I will gladly give it. But understanding that you're also um, in your spaces. And, and I, I need to respect that. Um, um, uh, just under the circumstances. Yeah. And we'll all reach out to you for the cars because when it's making a weird noise, I'm mean, like, circle. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> and I had, I, wanted... I have no problem with that. <laughs> it's the best thing. I'm just like, the car, it's doing a thing. And I know you're always just like, you need to wash your engine. I'll wash it next week. <laughs> but. Um... <laughs> Um, in this situation and any other relationship, even outside of this, do you think that forgiveness has to end in reconciliation? Like, do you feel like that moment where you told, thank you for forgiving me, do you think that has to be the result? No. And as I alluded to earlier, um, I think forgiveness is relative. Reconciliation also is relative because, like I said, there are some people who feel within themselves that they haven't wronged and that you have to deal with, with the issue. And so if you keep coming at them like, okay, I've, I've forgiven you, let's get into this space. They may be in the space where they're like, dude, I, I didn't need your forgiveness. I didn't do anything wrong. 
So that connection is not going to, to happen. I think philosophically, but also practically, going back to the analogy I gave of um, the creator and that process, forgiveness was intended to reconcile, to bring around reconciliation. That was the primary intention. Does it happen? No. Because when you think about it, um, there are people you know, who don't recognize the sacrifice that God made and therefore don't feel that they need that reconciliation. And in human terms, there are going to be people who will look and say, I don't want that reconciliation with you, okay? Whether they feel like they did something wrong or not, and they may feel like, yes, you did something and I did something, let's just leave it as is and just move our own way. That's fine. What I feel is address yourself, look in the mirror and figure out what you need to do for you. Because if you're carrying the anger and the hurt and the bitterness, like they say, you know, that's like taking poison and expecting the, the other person to die. There's the healing that needs to happen within you. And part of that is by looking inward first, looking in the mirror and saying, what part did I have to play in all of this? And even if you didn't have a part to play, even if it was a misunderstanding from the other person's point of view and all the blame is coming at you, looking in the mirror gives you a chance to say, okay, I'm going to deal with it from this perspective and I'm going to move on with my life. And if moving on brings about reconciliation with this other person, well and good. The manner and the depth to which that reconciliation goes becomes the choice that you both make because it could be a surface thing. That reconciliation could be a very surface level thing. Um, will the re relationship ever be the same? I don't think it can be the same. It's either going to be deeper or it's going to be shallower, but you're not going to get it to the same place that it is. And those are the choices that you make. You say, I choose to trust, but I'm going to be smart about the trust. Um, uh, there's 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 the another analogy where we talk about smart trust. We we have the propensity to trust. We we say to ourselves, I'm going to extend trust to this person, but I'm also going to use my analysis. I'm going to see what their behavior is like, what they've done, what they've changed, how they are acting, and give that trust appropriately based on my propensity to trust and the analysis that I do. And so the reconciliation may be slight, it may be very deep, or it may be non-existent. So with all that being said, what advice would you give to people trying to reconcile or in a place of limbo with those parental relationships where the other party may be um, is trying to reach out um, and wants a relationship or maybe the other party is not, you know, because it's like, it goes both ways. Like people who are having those tiffs or that struggle in the parental relationship, how would, what advice would you give them? My first piece of advice would be, it starts within. So look in the mirror, mm. either party, um, if you choose to. There has to be a choice. There has to be intentionality. 
but it starts with the individual. What part did I play? What am I responsible for? What do I need to address? And then, especially in the case where you know you had no responsibility and no fault in what happened, and it is by and large all on the other person, but you are making the choice to reach out and to forgive, remember it's going to be a journey. Remember that it may take, quote unquote, multiple points of forgiveness. Uh, going back to, you know, how the disciples asked Christ, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he said 70 times seven. I actually sat down when I was a kid and was like, what does that calculate to, right? And, um, and that was 490, right? Is it 
or it could be rocky. It could actually cause the space or that chasm to be bigger and there, thereby making reconciliation almost impossible. But who's going to be the bigger person, as they say? Not again, me. it also depends on, again, it, <laughs> it depends on the severity of the, the fault, right? I mean, you read, you read and you hear of these stories of people who say they, they've forgiven somebody who is murdered very brutally, somebody very close to them. There's, you know, instances where somebody stupidly drank and ran over and crashed their car and, you know, killed a whole family innocently driving home. And many times you'll get people who will say, yeah, you know, get over it and, and, and just forgive. That's not for somebody else to decide. It's, it's for you to look inward and say, where am I? What is this doing to me? What is it doing for me by hanging on to it? And if I make the choice to let go of it, I may need some help or direction in doing that, but it comes from my choice. It's my intentionality. And so when the triggers come, don't fault me, don't judge me, um, because you don't know what I'm dealing with and how I'm dealing with it, how far along the journey I am. And it comes down to repeating myself that choice and the intentionality. That was deep, but I'm still not going to be the bigger person. Just FYI, anyone listening, <laughs> do as he says, not as I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she, uh, Gadoni, you, you don't have to be the bigger person. What you can do is follow um, Michelle Obama's example. When they go low, just go high. You don't have to be no, bigger. No, no. You can just go higher. <laughs> when they go low, I'm taking it to hell. I'm, I'm going sure. real low, she says. We're going, going down, down. down. <laughs> Whoa. But yeah, we're going all the way down. <laughs> too funny, too funny. We really appreciate wow. you sharing a little bit of your journey and your story. And hopefully it'll be helpful to our audience as well. I hope so. I was going to say it continues. It's not like I've I've been through it. My parents passed away and there's still triggers that come and I'm like, He's not here, but let's yeah. deal with this. So it's a journey. It's an it's a it's a continual checking in with yourself and and making that mm. choice. For sure, for sure. Gadoni, even though you will not forgive, can you tell us where <laughs> they can find us so they won't forget? Um, for you guys who are like me, and also for the guys who are like Seko, if you're forgiving. Find us at OKKIASI on all social media platforms. That's OKAYKIASI everywhere. If you're not forgiving, write me an email at OKKIASI at gmail.com. Let's bitch on these people because who, who do you think they are? Why? Let's be mad together. I'll be mad with you. Write me an email. <laughs> Regardless, she wants to be reached out to. Listen, anyway. you know, maybe there's someone who needs can, support can, in there, like anger. You know, I'm here for you. And can I can I say that that's okay to get into that bitch space where you need to yeah. un, 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 unload? Mm -hmm. Yes, that might that may be part of the journey in releasing. I'm not saying that you're you're going to be the the courteous kind, whatever it is, in forgiving. There are those moments where releasing is about pouring it out, and that's okay. 
with the intent mm. that I'm moving beyond the pouring out mm-hmm. and getting beyond that. Yes, yeah. so pour out into our email, okay, at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Huh. This is our family. As usual, Yay. I am Shiko. I'm Nyam. And I'm Gadani. This has been OK Kiasi. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye. Bye. Bye.